Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this Lord's Day and for the blessing together together as Your people uh, to worship You. And we thank You for this time before our worship service uh, to open Your Word and to look at these topical studies uh, drawn from the Proverbs. We pray that as we are looking to Your Word, that Your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me grab one of the teaching handouts. Aha. Okay. So last week, uh, what we looked at is we looked at defining what pride is and defining what honor is. Uh, you may remember I gave the funny example of the little boy that uh, Grace Ann taught swimming lessons to who uh, unfortunately had confused uh, what sinful pride is and what uh, not sinful pride is. And, of course, in this uh, study, we're, we're talking about sinful pride, right? Uh, but we're also talking about honor, which is not sinful. And uh, we saw last week that God's opinion of pride is that He hates it and that pride can lead to uh, disgrace, it can lead to destruction, it can lead to punishment, and it can lead to destitution. And so each of those Proverbs that we looked at last week are uh, there on your handout for you to look at today. I mean, for you to go back and study if you weren't here. But today, what we want to do is we want to start with the question, who fittingly receives honor? Who fittingly, meaning, meaning who should receive honor, uh, as it is described within the Proverbs. And again, this is in contrast to looking at last week what sinful pride is and what the consequences of that are. And so today, uh, we want to begin with, in Proverbs chapter 3, long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Okay, so first of all... Uh, if you're familiar with the way that Proverbs is structured from chapter 1 to chapter 3, who is this her? Who is, who is she? Long life is in her right hand. Wisdom. That's right. This is why, incidentally, and I've, I've, I've alluded to this before, but this is why uh, many scholars believe that Proverbs 31 that describes that amazing woman, the proverbial woman in Proverbs 31. That's why many scholars believe she is, in fact, wisdom. She's wisdom personified in, in those examples. And part of that reason is because early in Proverbs, we see these references to wisdom as her, she. Uh, so long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches in honor. Well, let's also look at Proverbs 3.35. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. And then Proverbs 8.18, Riches and honor are with me. The me is wisdom, right? Enduring wealth and righteousness. So, to summarize, who fittingly receives honor? Well, first of all, it's the wise. The wise fittingly receive honor. Now, I want to break at least Proverbs 3.35 down. We'll look briefly at these others. But let's begin with this question. Is wisdom honored in our culture today? Is wisdom honored in our culture today? Some say yes. I got a no over here. All right. 
right, we're going to push the tables back. I'm going to let the two of you duke it out right here in the middle. We've got a yes and we've got a, a no. Now, actually, I agree with both of you. So let's start with, the, the, the easy one is the no. So we'll start with the no. Somebody said no, wisdom is not honored in our day. Why did you say no? And anybody can answer here. Why do you think wisdom's not honored in our day? Okay. Um, even someone who's wise in the Lord sometimes doesn't honor. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. So, so age is not uh, honored within the culture in which we live. Oftentimes age correlates with wisdom. But even not regarding age, there still is from, from a godly wisdom uh, seems to be disregarded uh, in our culture. I completely agree. All right. Somebody said, yes, it is honored, and so elaborate on that. Yeah, I, I agree with you both. I think that there is, is uh, so God's truth, uh, all truth is God's truth. So we've talked about this before. And wisdom as a common grace characteristic uh, is something that transcends time and cultures and so on. And so, so even in the most pagan culture, there, there will be a certain value uh, associated with or attributed to the wise. Uh, simultaneously, uh, we do see, especially from a, from a godly wisdom perspective, uh, is it, where it is not valued within our, our, our culture. And so I think that what we need to think about when we're walking through this is uh, how we see this and how we should, as Christians, fan the flame of this, you know what I mean by fan the flame, and encourage, support, uh, say this is right. And from a common grace standpoint, when, when we see that wisdom is acknowledged within the culture we live, even if it is not w Christian wisdom, we should still fan the flame of that. That is a good thing. That is fitting. That is right. That is, no pun intended, honorable, right? But at the same time, uh, we are, as those who are uh, not of the world, we know that godly wisdom is oftentimes persecuted, oftentimes degraded, and so we want to make sure that from our perspective, we don't lose perspective and not honor godly wisdom. Wisdom and and so let's. With that being said, let's talk about this. Proverbs three thirty five says, "The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace." Now, note the word that the sage uses here by inherit. What are things that that one inherits in this world? Wealth. Problems, that's what I was getting ready to say. Wealth, one can inherit problems. What else? Genes. Inherit genes, that's right, that's a good one. 
Yeah. What else? So there are these things that we understand that come to us, and for the most part, we think of an inheritance, which is, is, is um, not something that is earned, right? It's just something that is bestowed upon us. In the case of problems, uh, we can receive problems from our, our, our ancestors, and uh, we, we, we have to deal with it, right? But at the same time, uh, there are things that are bestowed upon us uh, that uh, we can... Uh, rather that, that are a blessing, right? So why does the sage then say that honor is inheritance for the wise? It would seem to me that inheritance would not be the right word there. It would, I, would, I would think that if, if someone has displayed wisdom in their life, maybe the sage could have used the word earned, or worked for, or uh, other words of, of merit, merited honor. Why does the sage use the word inherit here? The wise will inherit honor. Yeah, presumably, yeah. Could be, could be. We can be the beneficiary of, of the wisdom of old. I think about the example of, um, and I need to be careful here since this is on video because I'm probably going to get parts of this wrong, but I believe, and some of you may be able to correct me on this, I be believe his name was Johannes Selk. Johannes Selk, he won the Nobel Prize. He was the one who invented the very first polio vaccine. Yeah, so you've, you've heard... Huh? Salk. Okay, all right, Jonas Salk. All right, so it's in, in Latin it's Johannes. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, so, so uh, th he, he's famous for that. He's also famous for another expression. The question, are we being good ancestors? Have you heard this before? Are we being good ancestors? He coined that question. And you may recall that, so he invented the vaccine, and you remember how much money he made off the vaccine, right? Zero, right? He, he donated it uh, to humanity for the good of mankind. He made no money off of it. And then later in life, he came back and asked the searching question, are we being good ancestors? And so what was he getting at with that? Am, am I living in a such a way that I am thinking about those that I have absolutely no idea who they are, what will become of them, what the world would be like during that time? Am I thinking and therefore living and therefore doing and therefore et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Am I thinking about them? And uh, I think it's a, it's a healthy thing, especially when we think about wisdom. Because oftentimes, we don't think about wisdom and inheritance. We think about, well, I was wise in this situation, ergo, favor resulted. Or I was wise in this situation and nobody recognized it. But either way, we oftentimes think of it as an immediate cause and effect. We don't oftentimes think about it in terms of, what am I doing today 
that has a direct impact on my great 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 shall I go on great 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 granddaughter we don't think that way do we especially as Americans we consume now it's all about me now and we oftentimes lose sight of if the Lord tarries for a trillion billion zillion years from now, which he may very well do, are my ancestors beneficiaries of what I've done today? And so it's a searching question, especially regarding wisdom. Someone can live a wise life and they may not see the results of it in this life. Think about that. You may be honored after your death. One of the greatest devotional poets in the English language is George Herbert. And maybe none of you have heard of his name, but all of you have heard some of his poetry that have become hymns and things of this nature. And he was an Anglican priest who had renounced his wealth. He was extraordinarily wealthy by inheritance. Renounced his wealth, served in a small country parish would go to morning prayers and evening prayers every day with his wife, and he died young of, I believe it was either, I believe it was consumption. Died of consumption at an early age, and all of his great poetry was found and published after his death. And it is brilliantly wise. If you haven't done so, look him up. Devotional poetry of George Herbert. You will, he will blow your mind how deep and insightful it is. And you will go, surely this was a wise and godly man. Indeed he was. But his honor, which he inherited by virtue of his wisdom, was not received until later. But we are the beneficiaries of his wisdom. Contrasting, what do fools get? What's the result of the the opposite here? So this is a a parallel of contrast in terms of of the proverb. The wisdom wise inherit honor. The fools inherit disgrace. Disgrace, right? And so so the idea, or shame, it could be the, the same word could be used here. The idea is of a contrast. If we desire to uh, be honored, which we desire to be, right, regardless of our age, then we should live lives of wisdom. Number two, Proverbs eleven sixteen, A gracious woman gets honor and violent men get riches. This is a really interesting proverb, and and hopefully we'll have enough time to kind of drill down into it. But the reason I'm using this proverb is to draw out this word of graciousness. Graciousness. Someone who is gracious is to be honored. And and so we have here uh, a woman, and she's a gracious woman. And she gets honor. What do you? How how do you understand that? What is a who is a gracious woman? What would characterize her? Right, because you got to understand it to understand the proverb. What would characterize this woman as gracious? Why does the sage use that word, gracious? True. True. What would be, so we'll, we'll borrow from that, what would be characteristics that we read in Proverbs 31 that would be gracious characteristics? Yep. 
She provides for her family. She provides for her servants. She provides for her neighbors. Favors others. Yeah, yeah, you could even say above herself. Yeah, she's not self-serving. That's true. What else? What else would, would, when you're reading this proverb, you say, a gracious woman gets honor. She receives honor. What, what is it about her, in addition to what's already been offered, that would lead me to understand who this woman is? Compassionate. She cares for others. That's right. Generous, giving can be a synonym, a distant synonym of, 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 of gracious, right? Someone who is, is gracious is someone who's giving, right? And giving generously. So the idea here, and I think we've got enough at least to, to, to capture our imagination now, and especially as J.D. said, thinking about the Proverbs 31 woman and wisdom here, the woman is gracious, and by virtue of her graciousness, she's honored for it. She gets honor. She receives this, this honor. In what way would a gracious woman, in what way could a gracious woman be honored? I mean, are we talking about like a trophy? Da, 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 da. You're the most gracious woman. Here you go. You know, like, yeah, thanks. Right? What are we talking about? How how could a gracious woman be honored? Yeah, both of those. So we think about uh, again the Proverbs 31 woman's a great example here. She could be honored by her neighbors speaking well of her. That woman is a gracious woman. I mean, wouldn't we all, wouldn't, wouldn't it be lovely for someone to say, you know, those folks at Covenant, they are gracious people. Well, that would be a compliment, wouldn't it? We would be honored if someone said that about us as a congregation. And so also her children. When those who are inside of your home are the ones who say, you know, my mom, my dad, they are gracious people. Well, that is to be honored, isn't it? What else? How, how, is a, how is the gracious woman honored? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, again, that's sort of going back to are we being good ancestors is, is what's her legacy? Do people look back and go, wow, that selfish hag. I was so glad when she died. I'm being crass, but the, the point is nobody wants that said about him, Right? Right? But when we think back and we go, and here's the thing is, is, is for someone to say, you know, I remember my grandmother saying of her grandmother that she was a gracious woman. Doom, 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 doom. Five lifetimes looking back at that theoretical example of someone who is, is gracious. Uh, and so then look at the second part. I've got to go here, but I don't want to spend too much time. But this is so, this is really curious to me. Violent men get riches. And I'm just going to confess to you, most of the violent people I know in my life, my, my, my short 51 years, most of the violent people that I know are poor. So I read that and I'm like, man, most violent people I know are idiots, 
they're selfish, you know, they, they bring destruction on themselves, you know, they're worse off now than when I went to high school with them, or whatever the case is. Uh, and so what is, what is the sage teaching here? Violent men get riches. And while you're thinking about it, because I do want to discuss it, while you're thinking about it, uh, note that the sage is employing gender here to create contrast. Um, it is not necessarily attached to gender. And what I mean by that is there can be gracious men who are honored. There can be violent women who get rich. And, and so, but by, by using the genders, the sage is creating a further parallelism of contrast, right? So with that being said, and dismissing whether it's a man or a woman, what does it mean by a violent, violent men get riches. And I might also add, so also singular versus plural. One woman versus men. And so he's creating further contrast poetically here by, by gender and plurality. What does this mean? Well, I mean, violent in general is a physical action that is a negative action toward another human being. That would be the, the, if we were trying to define the Hebrew here. If I come up and, and punch you, you would say, you are a violent man, right? Well, true, there, but more than likely, it is, no doubt about it, and we, we know this in terms of within marriages, there can be verbal abuse and there can be uh, violence uh, in, in the sense of verbal violence, but most of the time when this Hebrew word is used here, it's talking about physical violence against someone. Yeah, I, I really like the word you used by gain. That's the only way I can wrap my mind around this, uh, is that there are people who will use extraordinary means, even violence, to gain something uh, that ends up resulting in riches. But how do riches gained by violence compared with honor gained by grace? Yeah, so I think I'm, I'm on the same page with you. That's, that's the way that I understand it is after he's made this contrast, now he's going to take it even deeper to say that this is what we value. We value honor over riches, especially riches that are gained by something as uh, inhuman as violence. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if you could hear Socrates, but he said if you, if, you, if you don't mind not sleeping at night, you can get away with a lot of things. And isn't that the truth? That is so, so true. Uh, I meant Steve, not Socrates, but they start with S. No, that was that was excellent. Yeah, and I, and, I, and actually, I think I think Steve's Steve's right is that the the sage has used violence here, but we could use other words as well. The point being is the contrast: how riches can be gained versus how honor, uh, according to godliness, is gained. Look at number three, Proverbs twelve eight and nine. 
A man is commended according to his good sense, but one of twisted mind is despised. Better to be lowly and have a servant than play the great man and lack bread. <laughs> um, so the third thing what I'm drawing out here is that uh, those who are sensible are worthy of honor. And I'm, I know Randy's not here, but, but I think that's where he was going earlier in talking about how, uh, the, from, a, from a positive perspective, how what wisdom is honored in our culture. A man is commended according to his good sense. What, what's that mean? What's that mean in our, our modern vernacular? A man is commended according to his good sense. I mean, there's, 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 there's substance there. You're, you've gone to, to, to dinner with, with some folks and, uh, and, and you're talking about a difficult subject and, and someone uh, makes that piercingly clear statement. You've been around that person before and they'll, they'll say something and you'll go, wow, that just unmuddied the water. That just made the sky part, whatever you say uh, in, in, for, for a, a, an idiomatic expression, where you go, wow, you made something that was really difficult and cloudy so clear. You have such good sense, right? And of course, we all want to have sort of this, this common sense, right? A, a good sense, but someone who does think clearly, Someone who doesn't get caught down in all of the fray, right? Caught up in, in all of the different things that go on in the world. And we know, we know these people, right? It's very easy with something going on and all the noise of the world and all the you know, consumers of media. And, and it's real easy to just let your head just get so full of noise. And then there are those people that seem to just rise above it and go, what noise? Here's the clarity. Here's the good sense, right? And so someone who has good sense, someone who is sensible, is indeed to be honored. But look at the contrast. But one of... This is a great translation, by the way. Twisted mind. What, what does it mean, twisted mind? What is a twisted mind? What's that? A fool. a fool. True, true. A fool would have a twisted mind. What else? <laughs> okay, it could be someone that's lacking uh, in, in, in intelligence. But to twist something, if, if it's in contrast to good sense, someone who has clarity of thought and mind, in contrast to someone who has clarity of thought and mind, something gets twisted. What does that mean? Yeah. 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 Or, 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 or even on top of that is that they have looked at things perversely so long or they have looked at life listening to all the noise so often they don't have a clear thought. It's all jumbled. It's all twisted up. And again, it's a negative connotation. We would, we would say that uh, a close coven, cousin to a twisted mind is a 
perverted mind, right? A perverted mind would be in contrast to godliness. A godly mind versus the perversion of that. And so the general idea, uh, and again, it's a really good translation, is the contrast. There is the one who is sensible, they are due honor. There is the one who twists things, twists the truth, twists clarity, causes confusion, clouds the matter, and this person is despised. And then again, it carries on uh, showing how that twisted mind might be applied in someone who elevates themselves above their standard, etc., etc. Number four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we see that echoed in Christ as well. What was one of his introductory comments that's echoed from the prophet Isaiah? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has eyes to see, let him see. Right? And there were, were some around Jesus who heard and saw. There are others who never got it. They had twisted minds. That's a great example. They had twisted minds. Uh, and to Keith's point, we think about the Pharisees be a prime example. They had ulterior motives. And by virtue of their ulterior motives, they never could see sensibly. They couldn't see clearly. Their perversion had caused them. Their twisted mind had led them astray. That's good. Oh, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. 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 Well, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I, I, I think about the, the issue of, of how gay marriage has crept its way into the mainline churches. I mean, if that's not a, a twisted mind, I mean, I don't know what, what else is, really. I mean, so I, to your, which I'm assuming that may have been what you were alluding to, among other things. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is, and sadly, as we see that, that creep into the church, what, what happens to the, to, to the churches that, that, cre- that creep in, that, that that creeps into? And this is, this is happening in our own country right now. Uh, there are prognosticians who, who say, for example, um, uh, I guess it's okay to say this on video, there are prognosticians who are saying that the Episcopal Church, for example, will not exist in, the, in America 10 years from now because it's dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And I, I think there are other mainline denominations, not to be mentioned, uh, that are following suit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you see this and we can say, you know, well, th- there are these things that of perversion that are honored in our culture. But the thing that we got, have to remember is, is who, to use a theological expression, who designed the economy of this world? God. And so even as we see within culture where perversion may be exalted, the world still works the way God designed it. It's always going to work the way God designed it. 
I mean, it's one of the reasons why I've emphasized from, from the pulpit, we need to be a people who don't think that everything's going to hell in a handbasket. That's what Lucifer wants you to think. He wants you to think that he's that powerful, and he's not. God who designed this world, so also designed, to, to J.D.'s point, that those of twisted mind will eventually be disgraced. Those of wisdom, of a wise mind, a gracious woman, for example, the person of good sense, the one who is wise of heart, will ultimately be honored. That's the way God designed it, and how God designed it, it will always work that way, but not necessarily in our microwave generation, Right? Uh, and so that's going back to the comment about ancestors. Number four, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life. Proverbs 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. I'm rapid fire moving through these different verses to show you, and I could go on. I just drew the line, how often the characteristic of humility comes up in the Proverbs over and over and over again. Proverbs, for example, Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. We understand this is that wisdom begins not with uh, what the world tells us, but with fear of God. But then the second half of that, humility comes before honor. By God's design, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted, see also the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so he gives us this example uh, as well as, as drawing from the Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. I think it was last week somebody said pride goes before destruction, right? I think in, in referencing uh, one of the verses we're looking at, we see this echoed here, don't we? Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. What does haughty mean? And it's not spelled H-O-T-T-Y, like they do down at Ole Miss, right? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, arrogant people down in Mississippi. What does haughty mean? Filled with pride. That's exactly right. Someone who, whose heart is just brimming over with, with, with pride and you see it. If you've ever been around somebody that's haughty, it's not pleasant, is it? Right? Ever been at a, at a dinner with somebody that's, that's haughty? What was the topic of discussion at dinner? Them, right? Yeah, Cindy and I were at, at a dinner one time, and, and it, you know, you, you get done with it, and, and she's like, you know, was there no other topic of conversation but them? I mean, they were it, and they talked a lot about them, 
selves, right? And so that's kind of an idea of, of, of someone who's haughty. But humility comes before honor. Do you see that's exactly the same clause that's repeated from Proverbs 15.33? So also in Proverbs 18.12, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Now, we've talked before, and we're almost out of time, but we've talked before about how the Proverbs are not promises, so this is not one of those verses that the Charismatics or Pentecostals will say, we're going to claim that verse. Um, so we don't claim verses as Presbyterians, right? But, but what does this say? It's not a promise, but it is a truism. And what's the truth of this? What is the truth of the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life? As God has designed things, it doesn't always work out this way. But if we look back at the patriarchs, for example, we'll just start with Abraham. We look back at Abraham who humbled himself before the Lord. He feared the Lord and God blessed him. And what did God bless Abraham with? Could we say that God blessed him with riches? Oh yeah. Could we say that God blessed him with honor? Most certainly. We're still talking about Abraham today, right? And so also blessed him with life. And, and you can interpret that, uh, again, you could take it in a gospel direction, but you could also just interpret it in the sense of an abundance of living and, and the joy of life and so forth and so on. Uh, but in general, the truism is set. It doesn't mean that it's a promise, nor does it mean that it always happens, because how many of us can think of humble, God-fearing people who have been disgraced, who have been uh, left in poverty, whose life has been anything but idyllic? We're going to be praying today in worship for the persecuted church. We have brothers and sisters, godly men and women across the world who today are suffering for their faith. Uh, and so, again, it's not a promise, but in general, it's that word of God's economy, right? The way God designs things, in general, humility and the fear of the Lord is rewarded. Well, we're going to have to stop there, and uh, we'll pick up here where we left off and finish this study uh, in part three. But the other three, just to finish this off, but we'll come back to it, is uh, the peaceful are honored, in fact, the Proverbs has a lot to say about that. And then the righteous. You knew that was coming, right? The righteous, several of the verses have alluded to this uh, before. So that finishes that out. But we'll come back and pick up with the peaceful, and then we'll uh, finish this study. Let me pray for us. Our gracious God in heaven, uh, you do teach us in your word that we are to be a humble people. And yet so often we exalt ourselves, even against the gospel itself, thinking that somehow we can merit your favor, that somehow we can earn our redemption. But you teach us over and over again that it is only by your grace that we are saved, only through the merits of Christ secured for our redemption. And we thank you that as we dwell upon this truth of the gospel, so also we see its carryover into all of life. We do desire to be a people that are honored, honored by our children, honored by our grandchildren, honored by our ancestors. 
We desire to be a people who are not sinfully proud, but humble ourselves before you and fear you rightly as you have taught us to do. We pray now with humble hearts that we would transition into worship of you, praising you that we are not saved by our works, but by the finished works of Christ. So may all glory be to you and the Son and the Spirit forever. Amen.